I'm Lily. I'm Lorraine. And, and we're, we're caffeinated, caffeinated and on a train. train. We are the internet's best resource for learning about being English students in Berlin. And maybe the internet's most questionable resource about learning about Wyndham Lewis's sex life. <laughs> uh, this week, since it's the first week of our new semester, we're going to be talking about starting our new term and being very busy people this semester. Yes. And uh, yeah, but first, um, we would like to begin our with our usual section on what we've been reading this week. Yeah. This week, um, I'm reading a book for fun called Slumberland. It's about Berlin. Um, it's, yeah, it's a great book. I'm really enjoying it. It's really funny prose. I don't normally laugh out loud from reading, but this book is getting me there. And it's uh, good for all the commute time that I seem to have. But currently, I don't think I'm reading anything academic. I've kind of cut myself off on the academic reading that I've been doing because um, most of it was related to this modernism paper. And there was a point at which I just said, like, I, if I keep reading, I'm just like never going to write or I'm never going to write anything that's actually geared towards the final product of what I need to write. It's just going to be like more and more like drafts of things that are tangentially connected that I'm trying to fit into my draft. So I kind of put a hold on academic, academic reading, but I know it's about to start up again with the new semester. Yeah, I think that's so important. Yes. Especially because we're we're just getting our new reading lists. Yeah. We don't yet totally know what's going to be. To be honest, yeah. Still a little <laughs> bit unsure. It's uh, some lag in the Blackboard <laughs> situation yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Just uh, reading for fun and not for academics, to be honest, right now. Mm-hmm. And you? Um, I've been reading the novels for the course that I'm currently taking on the Hogarth Shakespeare series. Mm, I've been hearing a lot of people are excited about that one. Yeah, it seems, I'm hyped for it. The professor yeah, cool. seems really nice. Cool. She's like a little, little more chill. Mm, that's um, nice. But still like very passionate and seems quite rigorous. Um, and it's a smaller class. I think like maybe 15 people, mm. which is great. Yeah, I'm really a big fan of that. Yeah, it's like last semester when we were in 70 person. Like it was just, it was so difficult to get anything. Yeah, just like the, the structure and the feeling of the class is already like hot and crowded. Yeah. So yeah, it's actually interesting because I think a lot of the people in our modernism class that were in the material term class today, we're all like, we're taking this because it's small. <laughs> and it's just probably all of us are a little bit like shaken by, yeah. <laughs> by that situation of last semester. Uh, but cool. Yeah. What else? Um, I've read the adaptations of King Lear and The Taming of the Shrew, and I'm now on A Winter's Tale. Mm-hmm. And, like, by far the best one was The Taming of the Shrew, which was just, like, a romantic comedy. Yeah. And I feel like this speaks very much to the fact that I don't think modern writers have a good grasp of how to do tragedy. Mm. I think... That's an interesting point. That's an interesting... Well, before... I was, I want to ask you more about that, but my first question is, um, when you say adaptations, they're not like the original text that Shakespeare wrote that you're reading, and, and explain, like, how are those chosen, and what do you think of the ones that were chosen? Yeah, that's a great question. So this is a, a project that's being done by the Hogarth Press, and okay. Okay. basically what they do is they've picked, like, a bunch of super famous novelists like Gillian Flynn and mm. Margaret Atwood... Uh, and then some others who I confess I've actually never heard of, but I'm told they're very famous. Mm. Um, and each of those authors got That's to fun. pick, arguably, there was apparently like some institutional pressure for some of them, mm. got to pick mm-hmm. a Shakespeare play and write like their own version of it. Cool. So they have to be like set more or less in the present day. Apparently a couple of them are set in like the seventies. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And then they can do whatever else they want okay. with the story. Now I see, I see the like kind of excite. I mean, what makes this class different than just any class on Shakespeare's plays? Yeah. So That's it's actually, cool. it's like a contemporary lit class and also a, a pop lit class because cool. like, the Macbeth one is a crime thriller. The Taming of the Shrew one is a rom-com. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's like 10 Things I Hate About You. Have you heard of this movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I haven't seen it, yeah. but I suspect it's very similar. Yeah, it's, it's, it is the Tammy Andrew. But then again, you could also talk about the fact that many stories are based on these same templates, like many popular stories, Star Wars, um, The Lion King, or like Hamlet, both of them. <laughs> like, you know, so it's it's that's maybe part of the theme of these is like how these stories in this kind of these kind of uh, timeless structures for stories that are reproduced. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why this works so well. Yeah. Because that was definitely, I think, part of the idea of why they did it. Mm-hmm. But also that doesn't seem to be part of like the branding exactly. They, they, the whole branding is a little questionable in my opinion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so from already what you told me, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. But I think this class is going to be fascinating, yeah. and reading the books is so nice because they're they're quite readable. Um, yes. Like, they're all yes. fairly short. That's cool. Even though I thought the King Lear one was quite dreadful, and mm-hmm. I have mixed feelings about the Winter's Tale one, they were still, like, very easy to read compared to some of the heavy lifting that we've been doing. Yes, yes. Or even, in my opinion, like, reading that as opposed to the original text, while important, is, like, this is more, like, I don't know, more akin to, like, picking up just a novel that you might read for fun it's definitely more accessible yeah yeah so that's interesting um and about the tragedy the whole yeah explain this okay so king lear is actually one of my favorite shakespeare plays Mm -hmm. um have you read it no i don't think so that's fine um but it's, it's a tragedy and everyone dies at the end and i don't think that the author um, did a good job of making me care about the characters mm. enough to care that they died at the end. And in, in King Lear, like, the deaths are very sudden. Spoiler alert, by the way, for King Lear. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in the adaptation, the deaths are also very sudden, but whereas in King Lear, it's like a gut punch. Yeah. In this one, it's just like, well, I kind of actually knew that that was going to happen. I mean, I already know it's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, this is like Lear. the tricky thing, I think, with... <laughs> is like with this one with the King Lear one all I was doing the whole time I was reading it was just like being like oh that's just like when that happens or that character equates to that character whereas with um, the Taming of the Shrew one which is called Vinegar Girl Mm. I like didn't I wasn't doing that I was actually like caught up in the story story. that's an interesting point about a good adaptation then I think is yeah like how well they're able to take creative liberty in a a sense that's compelling Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think one thing, I mean, this is interesting, the whole idea that modern writers maybe aren't the best at making tragedies. But I also wonder, too, if, like, when something already exists within the cultural narrative, like, how does that affect what comes after it? Yeah. And uh, what does that, where does that leave us? And, and yeah, and, like, I wonder if it would be interesting to kind of look at and, like, a definitive as far as you can be definitive, but like kind of look at the ways that like tragedies kind of fair. Imagine doing imagine doing your like dissertation on tragedies. <laughs> My dissertation <laughs> would be a tragedy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean it is kind of interesting to think about like what elements are timeless, what like what are the themes that are kind of timeless about the the, the what makes a tragedy, but also I'm sure that they vary in terms of like what is considered tragic and, and how those things are construed and playing out in in various epochs in history depending on kind of the culture of the time yeah so it's kind of this an interesting thing to think about i do think it's really interesting that at the time shakespeare was writing it was just a totally accepted genre to have a play where everyone dies at the end (laughs) today if you try to write a book where everyone dies at the end yeah. No one would accept that. Yes. Like, I can't think of a single book I've read like that. But what I will also add is I think this is very much a cultural thing, too. Because, um, for example, uh, my ex-boyfriend is French, and we would watch movies together. And sometimes we'd watch French movies. And the, the end would just be, like, completely sudden of just, like, someone committing suicide. And, the, and, and I'd be like, what? What, what is this? And he'd just be like, oh, because you're used to American endings. And in a film, this is actually a thing, and I've spoken to other French people about it, that they're like, yeah, that's like, that's something, and I'm sure this is, this is specific to film, and this is like one specific example, but I bet you that there are kind of different conventions about what is acceptable as a tragedy or how accepted tragedies are in the popular kind of, I don't know, narratives that people uh, associate or are accustomed to um, kind of, I don't know, consuming within, within their cultural context. 
So yeah, I wonder if there's something of that too. Like, I, and I'm sure, like in the North American, and this is true, and how endings kind of do need to kind of wrap up in a certain to a certain extent. That's was expected. There's yeah. a totally. like a, loose ends are tied up at the end. But and for example, in French cinema, that's no, that's and that's yeah, that's not a thing. That's so I, it would be interesting to also think about this across. Uh, different cultural contexts as well. It's really interesting. Okay, yeah. there's the thesis right there. Yeah, done. <laughs> All I got to do is write it. No problem. Yeah, uh, hard part's over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, do you have anything else that you've been reading that you want to discuss? No. I do highly recommend Slumberland. Uh, I didn't really say much about it, but very, very good book. Um, yeah, this guy, Paul Beattie, I think his name is a good author. First thing I read by him, but seems to be pretty popular. <laughs> so anyways, um, moving on to today's topic of busyness, um, we want to explore, I don't know, what do you, how do we want to start oh. discussing busyness? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I would give an answer, but I'm like so busy that I can't. Yeah. Um, so what I would say is that it's the beginning of a new term. Yes. And we've both our second term for both of us, we're now like maybe a little more comfortable with the options for Mm. what we can do. Yes, that's a good point. And being Mm -hmm. a little more comfortable has resulted in us seeing more opportunities and wanting to do more. Yeah, that's a nice way to say, I think, where the source of it is. And yes, I I agree with that. Um, Yeah, I know for me, the first semester, I kind of stuck with the recommended um, allotments for like how to finish the master's degree in two years, like how much, how many credits and which classes to start with. And after having completed that, I think I have a better sense of also what I'm capable of and, um, yes, and wanting to make the most of the opportunities. And also I think, um, I think I'm sort of surprised maybe because last term I only had classes two days a week and, I actually feel really good being busy right now, um, which I think normally in my mind, there's kind of this cloud of dread around being too busy because I I, I think for me that's associated with potentially feeling stressed or overwhelmed or um, like I'm spread too thin. And I think that this is also a theme that we've been sort of encountering with the topic of being busy is is like um, there's maybe different forms of being busy and like there's the self the kind of self-imposed busyness versus uh, when the busyness is expo- or imposed on you by other people mm-hmm. or other obligations and and when we are in a position where we are choosing and, and lucky to be choosing what we want to spend our time doing and I think when it comes from that place um, busyness just kind of has a whole different sort of tone or connotation for what it means in your life um, but that said busyness is also still kind of an animal that you need to figure out how to manage in a successful manner. And that's something I think we're both sort of exploring ourselves. And I don't know if you want to talk about some of your, you're in a, yeah, you're doing a lot. You're, <laughs> I, I think Lorraine might have some, some tips here or some insights yeah. on how to approach this. Yeah. So for scope, what I am doing this semester in theory, this is the plan. I am taking seven courses of one and a half hours each, um, working approximately 20 hours at an off-campus job, and then also um, doing social media for uh, a conference network. And um, hopefully, the plan is for me to be one of the editors-in-chief of the FU Review Literary Mm. Journal. I didn't know that. Cool. Also, like, working on my own independent academic projects, like going to conferences and trying to get things published. Um, I think that's everything. So, oh, and commuting. I was going to mention commuting. Yes, that's a real, yes. Yeah, because as as we know, we live in Berlin. And we're caffeinated on a train. Yeah, that's how we spend our lives. Like, everywhere takes an hour to get to. Yes. And when it's just, you know, one hour to university, one hour back, okay, that's If it's two hours. just that. For me, that's already two hours. That's yeah. two hours of the time I'm awake. I mean. But then, if it's also, like, two hours to work, or one hour from home to work, one hour from work to university, one hour from university to work, oh, one hour God. from work home... 
It, Where that, is the Hurdy School? It's uh, right in Mitte. Mitte. So it's actually okay. like about 45 minutes. But still, and things happen. Yeah. Once yeah. once I give myself the cushion I'm comfortable with, it's an hour. Yeah. And that is making the process of trying to figure out what my schedule can look like a little bit stressful. That's my main source of stress right now. And I think on that note, um, there's because this is, I think this is really what it comes down to is like the date. How can you take these like overarching themes or goals for the whatever amount of time? So like for the some duration of the semester, more or less. Like how can I take all these things that I want to do and like break them down into like the day to day? And how can I do that in a way that allows me to be successful at, at, at involving myself in these different proje- projects while also like having at least, like, some level of, like, a life outside of them. Right. I mean, you know, it's maybe that, that that window of free time varies depending on where you are in your life, but you can't conceivably only do these things and only that for the next six to eight weeks exactly. or longer. Um, sleep. So, sleep is an important thing. Seeing my fiancé, seeing yes. my friends. Yes. All of those are also things that are deserving of Yes, time. and that's really, I think that's really key to also see those as priorities. And I think they also feed back into your success and your kind of pursuits because if you're just run ragged and, and you haven't socialized with anyone, I mean, you're not, it's not a good look if no. you're. <laughs> um, so, so I think a lot of this, the stress is that kind of taking all these things. And it, it's kind of, I think, analogous even to like writing a paper after doing a lot of research, is taking all of this stuff and figuring out how to fit it and like realistically within 24 hours and then like repeat you know and I think um that is and I think it it can be sort of fun (laughs) I guess depending on your personality to strategize and to like make it work and like this kind of challenge can be but it also can be overwhelming and a little bit intimidating Mm -hmm. if you're like whoa I (laughs) Yeah, so especially if there's there are considerations about like other people's schedules. Mm. This whole process of sort of puzzling little commitments together, I find to be very gratifying. Yeah. But when there are unknown variables in the mix. Yes. Like how how much I have been checking my phone for my work schedule to be released. Because I'm definitely like in the kind of classic way of being of the semester, my schedule is definitely also in flux right now because I'm trying to test out different classes and there's a lot of classes that I think I want to take. And then also I work at um, two, 20 hours a week about and it's the same kind of like just having to, yeah, having to figure that out. And again, also, yes, like trying to see people and not just blow off all of my relationships just because I, I decided I wanted to be busy this semester um, and knowing how to, again, set boundaries with with work and everything else. So, yeah, that's a good point. It's it, you can't you. There's only so far I can plan right now because I don't know these other factors. And maybe it's something similar for you. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I also don't have my schedule yet. It's just kind of like, yeah. I'm, t- I'm tapping my face impatiently. <laughs> you can't see that, but that's what's going on. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, but I, I do. I think it is really gratifying when you kind of hit a stride and you just kind of do manage to make it work and, and give yourself a kind of like a healthy discipline of, of work. But, uh, yeah and finding the kind of middle ground and challenging yourself. I don't know. It just does feel good. I, I for example, I, I live alone and I last semester I had two classes a week and I didn't start working until like towards the end of the semester. So I was just like, there was just like a blob of time where I was just, I mean, and I, I think I didn't realize until now when I'm busy and I'm only home at night and I'm really enjoying that time that like how much that was maybe like sucking me down and uh, combined with the Berlin winter and yeah. various other things. It just, yeah, it's. I, I think I, I forgot that it's really nice to be busy and not always this kind of daunting, just like scary thing to be busy. This, I was saying earlier, um, I, I have this belief that I say all the time that work expands the amount of time you have to do it. And the corollary of that is that I will never feel like I have enough free time. It's just, I'm never going to have that That's feeling. so true. That is a really, really good point. And if, even if, I have five days a week of free time. I'm still going to spend that time being like, oh, I wish I had more free time. I wish I didn't have so many commitments. Yeah, very true. if I'm going to feel like that, I might as well 
be filling all my commi- committed time with things that are exciting and bringing me joy and good for my future. Yes, yes, exactly. And and it does feel good. And I think this doesn't have to be, I think, if, as someone who thinks in this kind of critical way, it doesn't have to be this sort of like capitalist productivity that's, again, this like ex- externally imposed productivity. Um, I think that like ideally we achieve a society where many people or most people can um, kind of engage themselves and, and use their time to be doing, still working on things and, and striving for long-term goals, but the ones that they set for themselves. And um, I find that uh, also in that kind of vein, um, I used to work as a freelance writer and when I would have client, I would always kind of lament how I wish I had more time to work on my own personal projects and my, the, the subjects that I'm actually interested in, which surprisingly are not necessarily the ones where all the money is. What? <laughs> um, that when I uh, had some obligatory work to do to make money was also when I was being more productive in the time that I did have. And I do think there's something connected with this, again, with what you're saying, too, like, uh, when you just have all of your time free, like I'm, that's, I'm not the, my most productive, but when I'm like, I have two hours to fit this in, then, then I'm like, my life is moving at like a good pace and I'm, I'm using my time so much more wisely than when I just have all the time. Yeah. So I, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Scarcity causes efficiency. Right? Yeah. It's like not always... Not always or infinitely, mm-hmm. but to a surprising extent. Yeah, you, you'd maybe at least in the subject of of productivity and busyness and work. Uh, I think, yeah, you you can be surprised at how much you're. Speaking of which, is this the good time to tell them what you're what you're doing this evening? Yes, this is a good time. Okay, so as as you, dear listener <laughs> and friends, possibly, yeah, <laughs> maybe keeping you on on episode three. Yeah. <laughs> As you, dear listener, bracket S, may know, we were in a modernism course this past semester, which Lily... Now I'm rubbing my eyes in a distressed manner. Oh, pinching the bridge of her nose. Yeah, you know know the look. (laughs) This modernism class has been the source of some angst um, because it... Certainly for me, it's not a topic I'm inherently interested in or pleased by, Um, and there were some framing issues with the class. Um, and those are the two things. Those, yeah. yeah. But it's just been, now it's just been dragging out because I just want to add also um, something that's pretty different, I think, from like the North American model of university is that, and maybe it's also that we're master's students now. And I, I overall, I like this kind of vibe better, but the things are very relaxed like when I say very relaxed I got a six-week extension for a paper that I didn't even ask for like he was just like why not make it six weeks and I, I mean and, and point being that this is this is not this is getting ridiculous like this is really dragging out and there's the point at which you have to say enough's enough mm-hmm. I, I gotta got other things to do and this is the point that I reached yesterday Lily said on the way over here <laughs> Um, one of my skills is making executive decisions. Mm-hmm. I made the executive decision yesterday afternoon on well caffeinated and <laughs> on the train back home. It's the only way you're making this kind of it's decision. Only, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes caffeinated and waiting for a train. Yeah. Also. Also. Um, I need this paper out of my life. I need it out of my life now. Stat. <laughs> yeah. So I am going to have finished this paper before I go to bed on Friday night. That is, what's the date today? The 11th? That is Friday the 12th that it is going to be done by. Um, I currently have 1,500 words out of 7,500. Last night, when I arrived home, I had zero words. Mm. So, already a significant. Like if you wrote 2,000 this evening and 4,000 tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, I mean, see no It's, still, <laughs> it's but, still a while, but, but not... Uh, especially because you you know it's not like you're just starting blankly. Yeah, 
this is, I was thinking about what sort of metaphor I would use for this last night. Mm. And I think for me... <laughs> the things that you need to do when you're, <laughs> you're planning out writing 6,000 words. <laughs> when you need to like psych yourself yeah, up. Yeah, what is the metaphor I'm going to use to describe this on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. What do you got? <laughs> for me, writing a paper is like a pregnancy. Mm. There's a long <laughs> gestation period where from the outside... You can see that things are growing, but you don't really know what's happening. You can just see that, <laughs> like, some, some stuff is happening. I'm going to my doctor's appointments. I'm eating well. I'm gaining weight. That's the metaphor yeah. for uh, me going to classes and doing <laughs> research, just to be clear. <laughs> um, but it doesn't look like a human like a second human has emerged until there's like one superhuman push and then the thing is done. Lauren's in labor writing this paper. Essentially is, yeah. what <laughs> this is what I'm saying. And I've I always like wish that I was the kind of person who could work on a paper slowly and steadily and then at the end This is like actually I think how I work. Yeah, this is much more how you work. But for me my rough drafts are basically worthless. Like yeah. they they bear no resemblance to a final draft. And the final draft starts with a blank Word document and ends with a finished paper. That's like, it's a one-stop situation for me. That's really interesting because it really, it really is. I mean, I remember in our academic writing class when we talked about, uh, I think Ruth, our professor, asked us like whether or not we see, see a merit in writing a rough draft. Yeah. And I was like, what? Why, what do you mean? It's so like... <laughs> she asked us like... <laughs> This was probably earlier than what you're thinking. Like, is there anyone who hates outlines? And I, like, mm. threw my hand up. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> what? How? <laughs> Explain this to me. You're just like, <laughs> sounds like mayhem. You're just <laughs> writing a paper and you don't have any, like, <laughs> conception of where you're going to go with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. My, my process in this paper is probably not even a good example because I don't even, this, something's up, something is up with this paper. Start, starting when I was doing my close read and all my annotations on, on the blast document and it crashed. This paper is cursed. Something's up with this paper. It's a, yeah, it's a cursed paper. It's the ghost of Wyndham Lewis. He, he doesn't like what I'm saying about him. <laughs> I mean, Probably, fair. conceivably. <laughs> he doesn't uh, like being called a languid top. No, <laughs> worse than a fascist. He doesn't. It's not cool with my analysis of his sexuality. Have you quoted Ernest Hemingway? <laughs> I gotta add that. Yeah, make I do sure. have to add that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, see, it's a steady process. I gotta make sure I cover all my bases. Um, but yeah, this paper has just been for me. I mean, really, it even started bef- from the beginning of the semester of, of researching about fascism, and then it was like slowly narrowing down. And then now I'm writing it, and now I'm 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 almost done with my like passable level of the draft, which I'm really proud of actually, because I God knows how much I've like how much like massive information I've consumed to like now spit out this product. Mm-hmm. Although I I don't I don't know if I would use the same I don't know what my metaphor would be I don't think it would be giving birth, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's apt I think I, I do see what you're saying and uh, good luck to you. Thank you. On this. Uh, <laughs> you will notice I'm using like positive affirm- yes. affirmative language, not like I'm going to try to have it done. It's going to be done. And it will be. I mean, come on. If anybody can do it, it's you. Yeah. And making like. She's flexing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we yeah. should definitely like record the video of this for sometime. Yeah, that's coming for our, our loyal listener. <laughs> if you get on our Patreon, we're going to make a. <laughs> you can watch this. <laughs> That's what you get. <laughs> please just please just pay us money. <laughs> oh, wow. <what> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> don't give us don't give us a platform. <laughs> Donate one God dollar a month to watch us. <laughs> what is <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know what's <laughs> Yeah, for 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 five a five euro donation, you get access to all of our jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you can we'll let you use them with permission to use them. For ten euros, I will send you an Ezra Pound Valentine card. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty good one actually. 
that's yeah. Yeah. Again, don't give us. Don't let us get carried away. No one. <laughs> no one can stop us. There's no inter. That's the beauty of a podcast. Is you're just right. listening to other people talk, but you can't contribute. You're right. So yeah. The only person who is going to have any power over this is Lily when she does the editing. editing. Yeah. Wish me luck with that. Just edit everything Lorraine <laughs> says out. <laughs> it's just one like weird. <laughs> I just sound insane and then put it on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's gonna. <laughs> Yeah, when you just reach your breaking point and you're doing your master's degree. Sometime, <laughs> sometime in the thesis semester. Yeah, you're just going to get like a really incoherent, like one per, one-sided podcast. Look forward to it, yeah, dear listeners. listeners. Yeah, for 15 euros yeah. a month. For 15 euros a month, get access to the special edition <laughs> with Lorraine Cobb. <laughs> Special edition. <laughs> God, we're gonna make so much money. <laughs> anyways, uh, anyways, I think I've said everything I want to say about being busy. And have you? Um, do we want to talk a little about burnout versus challenging yourself? Mm. Maybe knowing where that limit is. Yeah. I mean, this might sound like, I don't know, I don't know what the, what it sounds like, but I honestly feel like for me, as well as just a skill in general, it's also just listening to yourself. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like the same theme of setting boundaries. Like, I think it's important to, to, yeah, just to, I think there's like the anticipation of the busyness of being like, these are all the things I want to sign on to. And it's like, whoa, this is, and that's not necessarily the point to back down from. I think that's where you're stepping up to the challenge. But like if, if in the beginning, if you're like, I think that there's, you should just always know you reserve the right. And these self-imposed busy, busyness, I don't know, periods, this is a really poorly <laughs> articulated point. These self-imposed periods of busyness. There it is. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> um, that like you always reserve the right because it is self-imposed you always reserve the right and I think we're really lucky in our program that it is self-imposed and and I think that's kind of a nature of these this these German master's degrees is that it's very self-directed so like we are putting all this on ourselves we don't none of this is like required so you always reserve the right to like to kind of go back to the drawing board and if you you feel like your mental health is suffering or you just don't feel like the things that you realize matter the most to you and that's on that are on your plate right now if that you're not giving them your like what you think that they deserve then you can always step out of something and I think that's important to remember like yeah just to keep that self-awareness of, of how you feel and also that like you're putting this on yourself and if it's not working you can just stop mm-hmm. I guess that's my feeling about it like really clear signs that you mm. can pick up in yourself that like okay this has gone beyond a healthy challenge mm, this has gone question. beyond normal stress into burnout territory what does that feel like for you I think for me a lot of it I, I think I'm generally not a very apathetic person I think I generally am very easily engaged and so I think that for me something I've noticed is like if I start to feel like I'm withdrawing if I start to feel like I'm not interested in this anymore and I'm just like, and I, I kind of become apathetic about things. So I think that did happen to me at one point last semester. And when I just kind of, my, I feel like my heart's not in it anymore, then I know I'm not really engaging in a healthy way. And also, it is, it's very kind of nebulous, but I do feel like just kind of intuitively just, you start to feel... I don't know. I mean, this may be not that useful if this isn't how you work, but how I work is I, I, there's like a, starts to feel like a resistance or I start to, the way that I'm approaching it changes. And I think that it can be subtle, but it's, it gets, it gets to a point where I can't ignore it anymore. This like the way that I'm coming at it is not in a way that is like enjoyable or challenging in a way that I'm like, I can do this. It's more like, I'm dreading it or I'm not looking forward to this and I'm now maybe therefore not happy and not sleeping well and not looking forward to doing the work that I set out for myself, mm-hmm. which again, maybe that's not like a very concrete answer, but that's kind of how it works for me, I would say. Yeah. And that's, you? Or do you have something you want to add? Yeah, that's, I think that's a corollary of the apathy thing, eh? Yeah. I would, I would definitely say that apathy is like the sign for me that I need to change something. Yeah, because you're also very much not an apathetic yeah. person, I think, by nature. That's I, not I find I apathy you. one of like the genuinely most unpleasant like characteristics to be around. Depressing. Yeah, yeah. it's really depressing. 
former highly apathetic person. I was a very apathetic teenager. So wow, classic. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, wow. Gosh. <laughs> 16-year-old Lorraine would be, like, offended Meh. by me today. <laughs> That's great, though. That's, yeah. wow, what a long way you've come because you are Character quite... development. Yes. <laughs> um, so for me... I can tell when I start feeling like I'm half-assing things. Yeah. That's when it's like, okay, this is And you don't even working. care yeah. like that you're half-assing them. Exactly. Yeah. Well, like if I cared, then I, I wouldn't, wouldn't be half-assing. Yeah. I would yeah. be like, I would, I would cut out something else. Yeah, that's really true because I, I do think that there there is always like that is part I think part of it is like how it makes you feel and also like am I giving am I am I like giving these things the attention that they deserve and that's also like an important question also that then reflects on how you feel with like the work that you're doing absolutely and I think for me a huge part of burnout it's never for me about the amount of work it's all about what kind of work it is mm. and this is very much like what you were saying about how productivity that's externally defined yes is very different from your internal experience yes yes I think it's very it's this huge distinction yeah. really and yeah and, and, and it could be there's so many forms of external pressure whether it's just like the should of you right. know this social pressure needing to make money like there's many ways this can play out um and what was I gonna I wanted to add something else um yeah well I just think in general like with being busy it can be really easy because you're busy and this is something that I do have to I need time to myself it's just the kind of person that I am to process like just everything and you know I need like some alone time where I'm just like chilling mm-hmm. and I think it's important I think if you are kind of starting a new project or anticipating that you're going to be you're about to be really busy is that you're in some sense taking stock because it can it can be easy to land in a burnout position without kind of seeing it coming like you're suddenly there because you're, you're ignoring the signs and you're so wrapped up in what you're doing that you're not kind of taking the, the, that like time to recharge or whatever I think for everybody it's different but I think it's important that you're like kind of checking in and being honest with yourself before you kind of land in like a sticky situation where now it's maybe not as easy to just like withdraw from something yeah like you're halfway through a group presentation yeah (laughs) you're giving the you're halfway through giving the group presentation and you just realize this it's relatable yeah again that the break the fourth wall (laughs) stare into the camera I made a horrible mistake. Yeah. It's not a not a good feeling. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think that it's just important too. And I'm not I'm not really sure like what that looks like in practice. Or if you have anything you want to add about that, but I do think that's part of ma- managing the busyness is like, you know, checking in with yourself in some sense or taking time that you really are taking time to. And I and as we keep saying when this work expands, the time you have to do it, like if you just say like you know what today like it's a beautiful day and I'm gonna go out to the park with my friends and like I I could be working and maybe should be but you make up for lost time mm-hmm. and then you're more productive than when you're just like setting these unrealistic like kind of marathons of time that you're spending on something instead you're like okay well I didn't work yesterday so now I really have to spend these four hours doing what I was supposed to do yesterday and what I need to do today. And yes, I think that's, yeah. And I think this has a lot to do with setting boundaries for yourself as mm. well and knowing what kind of time you need to recharge. Yeah, I think certain, certainly for me, I think also for you and for a lot of people, there's a combination of needing time alone with yourself and time with people who are positive influences on yes. you. Yes, yes, yeah, I think that's really important and it's, this is, a, I think, in general, no matter what you're doing, but if you're listening to this, you're probably, you're probably <laughs> doing one specific thing. You're yeah. probably on a train. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I really think that's been the feedback people are. Um, but anyways, uh, that, yeah, I think it is just really important to stay aware. And I think maybe even being busy can be a healthy tool to, like, really assess your priorities and, and the people and the things that you're giving your energy and your time to, which is finite. And to recognize, like, are these things energizing me, the people that I'm around? Because, like, because I think when you're busy, you have you have less to spare. You don't have time to give to things that are bringing you down in any way yeah. and vice versa, I think. So I think that it can be used for that way, but it's also extra important, I think, that you're just really aware of the of your the people in your life and the things that you're doing and how they're influencing your energy levels. This is something I've been thinking about a lot in the last couple of days as I start to be in these classes and try to schedule meetings with friends into the times I have. Yeah. I 
it's it's difficult to make decisions about how you're going to allocate social time because it's possible to really like someone and yet not find them energizing. Yeah. And when you have a limited store of energy, it's it's hard to like make the call about like am I going to give part of my time to this thing that's yeah. that's taking a lot away. It's yeah, and that's a, that I think is another actually like one of the more challenging for me at least and probably for you too if you're just it's hard it's hard to set boundaries where you feel like you are maybe disappointing. Those are those are to me the hardest kind of boundaries to set yeah. are the ones that are it's like maybe but what I think is important is you shouldn't say yes to something if you're saying no to yourself. And that's I like that. That's I mean, I think that what because what else can you really do? And I, I know people love to kind of hate on the like self-love kind of trend, but I also just like why why is that the thing that you're hating? <laughs> but um but I also do think that um it's true. Like you you can't really give yourself in any meaningful way if you're just like depleted and spent. So yeah, I think that's really key. Yeah. And it's important to have relationships with people who who get that. Yeah. And yes. who who do give you energy and also understand when you need to redress that ratio and Heck spend yeah. some time with yourself. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I think it again, I mean <laughs> maybe this is like a tangential discussion, but I do think if people don't respect your boundaries, if they don't respect when you what are you doing? What are they doing? What are, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, really? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that is a really that is a really important thing, and I think it yeah it ultimately does feedback into how successful you are, mm-hmm. and I have found that too. If I if I reflect on times in my life when you know not only when I was maybe performing the best, but also when I was feeling the best about my performance. Maybe slightly different. Yeah, those are two connected but not identical threads. Yes, 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 yes. And I think that it's important to make that distinction as well, actually, because, again, it fits in again with, like, what are you doing and why? Like, is this a self-imposed goal or thing that I'm doing and spending my energy on? Or is it something that is being externally imposed through expectations or society or whatever else? And obviously, you know, it's not necessarily something we can always get around. But hopefully more and more we strive to live lives that we are directing and not feeling so, I don't know, forced into by the invisible hands of... Various, various <laughs> hands. <laughs> this is a sticky. <laughs> Very go too far. Invisible with... <laughs> sticky hands. <laughs> uh, maybe this is a good point to move on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, Apologize sorry to, here. <laughs> sorry to yeah. <laughs> Sorry to myself later from editing this. <laughs> Sorry, future Lily. We love you. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, so to wrap up, um, do you want to discuss what you have been doing in the last week? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So this is the first week of classes. I was also slated to start work this mm. week, but I didn't. Uh for bureaucratic reasons, I assume. Naturally. So Kafka-esque. I know. So so deeply German. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, So this week, I've been going to classes. I've been reconnecting with all the people I haven't seen over the whole break, which is amazing. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, I am nearly done writing a conference abstract, mm. which is due tomorrow. Mm. So oh. this, is, <laughs> this is like advanced level of this is my um attempt to write this modernist paper is to write the paper and also submit the abstract you're gonna feel really good though you're gonna feel super good yeah it's gonna be like having finished a marathon yeah or had a baby it's yeah <laughs> oxytocin is just gonna be flying definitely um so I've been I've been working on those. I've been starting to like play around with the blackboard pages that are up for the classes, checking out the readings, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of like immersing myself in that beginning of beginning of school year. Spirit. Yeah, and it, and it feels good because as we've sort of discussed, I, I feel like way more kind of competent and literate in like the system now mm-hmm. than I did the first semester. 
just kind of there, there were just so many things in the first semester like both academic but also just like bureaucratic of being here that was just like I just was wandering into yeah. <laughs> to the classes the in the beginning so just, different yeah from, and I, I was lucky that my fiance is German and yes. like understood some things about the system but like you came in like with no familiarity with what the system is supposed to look like these bureaucratic regulations make no sense. No, they really don't. I think that's like a general comment I have about a lot of the system in Germany is like they're slated as being or or kind of, I don't know, if it's reputed to be uh, so efficient and so kind of direct. And, and I Girl. just couldn't disagree more. Germans haven't been efficient in 75 years. That's a... Oh. <laughs> That's a cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, it's not not true, but but honestly, I mean, I have many takes, hot takes on this subject, but really, like, uh, just there's just so many times where it's just soul crushing. The the just. Oh my God! What's going on? Distressed eye rubbing. Yeah, again, there's more. That's there's a that. This is something new. I, I started doing this when I moved to here. Yeah. Um, but anyways, are we thinking about the Auslander Baharda? I'm thinking about. You're the thinking Auslander. about it. Well, today, to just just today, uh, the the German post here is absolutely insane. I think the 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 idea, the expectation is that when you order something, it gets delivered to you. Generally. Far from the truth. No, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, I had, I had, I had two like package slips sent to me in the, that I got in the mail. And then also a third one emailed to me. And so this morning after I like finished my paper early and I was like, I have an hour or so to kill. So what do I spend it on? But like first one of them, the pa- it was like for some package they sent me at, way after the, like a week after I got, I after I already already picked up the package, I got the slip. The second one um, was at this like huge emporium where I had I it was like some kind of mall, and I had to go. This took me the pickup of this package took me literally an hour. What? Which is like this is not how this should work. And I was just wandering around and asking and asking people, and like slowly found the freaking post office, and picked up my package and asked them about the third package, which was the email one, which was delivered to my neighbor, which is a non-existent person. There's no one, there's just no one on my, not on my building, but in my street with this name. And I was like, can you help me? And they're like, probably not. <laughs> so oh. that's what I'm up against. Uh, that's the the root of this distress up, uh, eye, rubbing, eye rubbing that you just uh, had the fortune of witnessing. Um, but anyway, uh, well, what did we do this week? <laughs> yeah, what did you right. do this week other than get the package? <laughs> um, well, I returned from Mexico about a week and a half ago. And there's definitely like some level that I experience of culture shock and jet lag um, going from kind of like this other double life I have of like spending time in Latin America to being back in Northern Europe and Germany, which is like, as the story uh, tells you, is it's just a different, different animal, different ball game. So there was definitely some of that. I've been working on this modernism paper as well. Maybe not as much as I should have been. Don't don't but be shooting yourself. There's the should. Here. Don't yeah. shoot yourself. This is honestly like yeah. this is such a a trap that I feel myself falling into, and I see people where they're like, "Oh, I should do that," and then they, well, they don't because yes. there are other like factors, but they keep telling themselves they should, and they like guilt trip themselves. It's such a bad like. You're so tactic. right because honestly, the deep down, it's because deep. If I if I knew I really had to, I would. Yeah. And, and like, I also believe I'm, as we were saying, I'm more of like a slow, but like steady progress maker on papers. And like, I also really find merit in taking time away from them and maybe spending even less time after a certain point, actually, maybe not even after a certain point, spending less time on it, but like spending the time that I spend on it efficiently. And then the rest of the time, like just not really thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I actually think that's like a healthier, again, with boundaries. And when I go back to it, I'm like much clearer and have like better clarity about what I'm trying to say and able to like actually make my paper reflect what I want to say. 
So yes, that's true. Um, also working, also getting ready for the new classes. Also, yeah, there's so many interesting things I'm, I want to take. Also, I'm applying uh, to potentially switch to um, other programs within this um, university. So there's been a lot of kind of like admin and also working. I just, yeah, I feel like I just really haven't been home. Also seeing friends. It's been, yeah, it's been good busy. I've been happy, happily busy. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I would say on what I've been up to. Not much, not much in terms of the nitty gritty of a semester, but living life. Wonderful. Yeah. That's a good way to be. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Um, definitely interested. I still have some classes I have to attend, but definitely interested in kind of seeing like what the, the tasks of this semester are, how they vary. So, yeah. Maybe in the next episode, we can do like a little follow-up and see yeah. how our schedules are panning out, which classes yes. you end up taking. Yeah, the stay tuned. The listener <laughs> wants to know. Yeah, very suspenseful. I'll, t- I'll let you know as soon as I do. Well, more or less. In two weeks from now. Yeah, <laughs> roughly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nervous glances. Depending on how our schedules work yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I think that's uh, that concludes this episode, episode number three yes. of the Coat Podcast. Can we round out the podcast on this anecdote about yes. Filippo Marinetti? Yes. So for my paper, which I'm going to finish tomorrow, um, I was looking up his manifesto on futurist literature, and I found it in a book called A Futurist Anthology. Um, and then printed right beneath his manifesto was his like update to the manifesto, which was saying... I am not going to respond to the many jokes and ironic comments <laughs> that I have been subject to since publishing. Which, like, can you imagine <laughs> reading the Futures Manifesto, being just like us, making jokes about it constantly, yeah. and Filippo Marionetti feeling the need. Uh-uh-uh, setting that boundary. Yes. <laughs> That's almost as good as Wyndham Lewis setting the office hours for when you could come and get a copy of Blast because people must have just been lining up around the block right. to get their co- hands on their copy. I mean, yeah. I, would, I would be banging. Just running around the block over and over. <laughs> yeah. be banging down Wyndham Lewis's door. Please. Give me a copy of Blast. We know you're so busy. God, he was not. There's no way he was that busy. He really wasn't. No. Really, he was just feverishly like writing incoherently and, and then otherwise not busy really not busy not even a little not even at all he was waiting for yeah Wyndham Lewis was waiting for Ezra Pound to call yeah oh my god yeah Marinetti probably was busy he was probably busy, he was busy. fielding all the jokes about his yeah. manifesto and also just being like an angry very sexually driven Italian man yeah 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 we know how he died Heart failure. Yeah. <laughs> While writing his own, <laughs> his own poetry. poetry. Yeah. Vibes. That's the way I so, want to go. <laughs> the There's worse. There are worse ways to go out. Like Ezra. Yeah. Ball obstruction. Too Could be full worse. Of shit to live. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think on that note, um, can't think of a better way to send you off yes. to thank our listeners. Yeah. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. We'll hear. You'll hear us next time. Yeah. <laughs> Or perhaps you will see us because you're going to donate to our, to our as Patreon. Yet, yeah. Our as yet non-existent Patreon. Yeah. You can watch us. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah, we're still sorting it out, but probably, maybe. Details. Only way to find out is if you just pay us money. Right. <laughs> we're already we're already begging. We have like sixty listeners and we're already with sixty listens. Listens. Big difference. <laughs> Big difference. Anyways. Thank you, and we'll you'll hear us next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>